open doors is positioned on the front lines, standing and strengthening persecuted Christians. Thanks, Caleb. Thanks for um, that song. Yeah, good. Thanks for uh, blessing us this morning uh, around uh, singing and music. Um, we have no kids' church because we're in recess, but there are some kids' packs down the back. If you want to grab those, you can uh, go for your life and do a bit of colouring in. That's for kids, okay, not for adults to go and get the colouring in packs and do those sort of things. So, yeah, go for that if you want to grab that. Um, also, uh, yeah, look, if you are visiting, we do really want to wait, uh, welcome you. Thank you for coming in. I hope you have received a welcome pack. Rob was on the job there on the door. If not, um, we'll get you one. If you could just fill out the, con- uh, the Connect card, that would be really helpful. We just would love to say thank you for coming uh, to see us. So um, yeah, we'll just make sure we get that off you. That be, would be terrific if we could do that. Uh, we are currently um, preaching through Philippians, but we're having a small break at the moment. You're all sort of wondering, when are we going to get back to Philippians? Because we haven't done it for the last couple of weeks, given Easter and a couple of other things have happened. Uh, we will get back to it next week, because this week is our missions launch week. Uh, we'll get back to the book of Philippians then. But just some advance notice, the next sermon series we're going to do um, will be on tough passages out of the Bible. Now, what I want you to do, I want you to tell me what you want me to speak on. So you need to actually come to me with a passage say, what does this mean? What is this passage about? So now I'm not going to get 50 different passages, because right, it'll take us a whole year to get through that. So um, I'll shoot out an email and I'll put it on the Facebook page as well. And if you flick back to me, hey, what does this passage mean? Then I'll take the, the I was going to say the most popular or the hardest 10 passages or whatever, the most popular 10 passages out of that. And we'll do a 10-week um, sermon series on these difficult passages of the Bible. I think sometimes we get some really uh, funny ones out of the Old Testament about, you know, the priest shouldn't wear two different types of cloth or clothing or something like that. So... Don't do that one, okay? Just leave that one aside. But some other ones. So we'll just see. All of God's Word is inspired, and it's for us today. So we want to go through that. So if there's something that you've been reading and think, I just never really knew what that was about, um, send me the, the passage via email, and then uh, we'll, I'll begin to compile them together. And then we'll, after the Philippian series, we'll, uh, we'll go into that series of um, tough passages and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll make an attempt to explain them. We can't always fully grasp and understand all of God's verb, but we'll certainly make an attempt on some of those uh, difficult ones. But today we do want to um, uh, do our missions launch here for Exchange Church. Uh, we're going to show a short video first. This video is actually is about the spread of the gospel right from sort of uh, the birth of the church in about AD 30. Alice is going to do the lights, good man. So what you'll see before we put it up there, Kath, um, you'll see the, the timeline as in flicking through quite fast and you'll see this graphic display of the way the, the kingdom of God has uh, grown across the world down through the ages. You'll see it sort of expand and shrink and um, you'll see some other things happening at the same time. So it'll go reasonably quick, but um, yeah, turn the lights up. We'll just play that thing, so, Kath. Thank you. 
If you've got your Bibles, uh, we'll go to uh, Isaiah chapter 54 and uh, we'll read verses 1 to 3. Isaiah 54 verses uh, 1 to 3. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labour. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. And your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Uh, Father, we just give you thanks now that we can come and open up uh, the word. We ask and pray now that, Holy Spirit, you would come and light up this word in our own hearts as we see here you speaking to us through the prophet Isaiah and, Lord, that you are going to spread your people throughout the nations of the earth. So we ask now, Holy Spirit, as we think about missions today, as we think about uh, the gospel going around this world, Lord, and saving people, we want to pray, Lord, that we would see it in a new light spreading out into the nations and enlarging and growing in uh, your kingdom, we pray. And, Father, we ask uh, for your help now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, that was um, a passage there from uh, William Carey. He actually, when he was uh, a missionary to India, he he actually spoke from this passage, trying to rouse and stir um, interest and activity for missions and cross-cultural missions across uh, England at that time to go to India. He was trying to get them to really think big about the gospel other than just being confined there in England. Uh, Carey was very keen to see the gospel go into all the world and to see souls won for Jesus Christ. Unfortunately at the time, though, William Carey was speaking to a staunchly conservative church in the late 1700s. It was around 1770, 1780 when William Carey was uh, being moved in this way. Uh, The church that he was talking to at the time was very narrow-minded and very content with itself when it came to cross-cultural missions. It was very happy back at home and not really thinking about too much over the seas. In fact, one senior church leader, after hearing Carey's vision, uh, said this to Mr Carey. My dear Mr Carey... If God should want to save the heathen, he will do so without your help or mine. That wasn't very encouraging, William Carey, was it? But, praise Jesus, we don't have that same attitude here today at Exchange Church. We have a different attitude. But it's vital, though, that we continue to get a growing global vision of the gospel. It's vital that we think big about Jesus Christ and uh, his plans for this world. God is incomprehensible. We must not let him be tamed in our minds by thinking small about him or thinking small about his purposes. Jesus spoke the universe into being with a single word. He's way outside of our minds that we can think of and he has big plans and big purposes for this world that he's created. The Bible's a unified book which is all about the glory of God and God displays his glory through his son Jesus Christ, saving and calling people to him, to himself. And this is a big vision that Jesus has for the world is created. Jesus said himself, for God so loved the world, not just Shepparton, not just Victoria, not just Australia, but the whole world. Jesus has a big plan for the universe that he's created. God is and will continue to be glorious 
in Jesus Christ through the salvation of people on a global scale. Sure, we work in our own context here, but we need to think outside of our context as well and think globally as Jesus has created this universe in a global sense. Isaiah 54, which we just read, is a part of God's big story. It is a part of God's big story here from Genesis through to Revelation. And these first three verses is a promise made to Israel. And this promise ultimately finds its fulfilment in Jesus. But we also are partakers in this promise today, right here in 2018 in Shepparton. Let's set the context, though, for Isaiah 54 to help us see what's actually happening here and what God's saying through the prophet Isaiah to Israel at that time. At this time, Israel's in captivity. They're under Babylonian rule. They've been invaded by the Babylonians and then taken back off to their land. Some have been left in Israel, but some of the rest have been taken back into captivity. So they're in a hopeless state of nothingness in the natural sense. As far as they can see, there was really nothing there for them. They were hopelessly captive to the Babylonian Empire and they are ruled by them and that's basically where they are at that particular time. They've been there for quite a few years and it looks like things aren't going to change as far as the Israelites are concerned. They've experienced the glory days of Israel's rule, but that now looks like just it's a distant memory right back in the past. But Isaiah is God's appointed prophet to speak God's word to them, to strengthen them and point Israel back towards God again, their heavenly father. So here's God's word for Israel through the prophet Isaiah as God begins to speak to them and uh, begin to open up their hearts again to the grand story, the big vision. He says there in verse 1 of what we just read, Sing, O barren one who did not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You have not been in labour, for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Sing, rejoice, cry aloud, be happy, be filled with joy, God says to the Israelites. Lift your hearts before God and rejoice with enthusiasm. Get excited with expectation. Why get excited, they might ask. Because God says the children of the desolate one will be more than the married one. But as far as Israel is concerned, they're in a desolate place in comparison to the Babylonians around about them. Babylon is flourishing. Israel's shrinking or diminishing in the natural. But God says rejoice, sing, Cry aloud, you guys are going to grow. You guys are now going to flourish. That's what God says to the Israelites. And fires on to verse 2 and he says this, Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and straighten your stakes. God is saying, begin to think big. Begin to enlarge your vision. Begin to think again about my great great purposes for this universe. Think about growth and think about expansion, God is saying. The whole idea here is that as children are born, they'll need a bigger house in this idea of a bigger tent. You had a tent that maybe held four people. You'll need a tent that will now need to hold 40 people. Think about the children that will be born to you in the increase of this nation. You need to think about growth, Israel, Do not hold back, is what God is saying to the nation of Israel this time. And he goes on to this in verse 3 for him as well. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, 
and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Can you see what God says there for Israel? It's a promise he makes to them, even though they're in a desolate place at this particular time. He says, you will spread abroad. You will possess the nations. Your offspring will people the desolate cities. It's a very definite promise there that God makes. It's not an if, but maybe. God says you will spread abroad. You will possess the nations. You will people the desolate cities. Now you might stop and say there right now, okay, what does Isaiah 54 have to do with me today in 2018? Like this is written two and a half thousand years ago to some sort of historical context that I'm really unrelated to in many respects. So what? What does that mean today, two and a half thousand years later, when we think about uh, this idea here of Isaiah uh, saying God's word to the people of Israel? They're really good questions. So what? Isaiah 54 is part of God's grand story of his glory through the rescue and salvation of lost men and women and children. It's all encompassed in one story from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation 22 uh, is one grand story. And we are part of God's grand story as followers of Jesus Christ. So therefore, we also find our part in Isaiah 54. It's not just for Israel alone. There's something more very specific and direct for them. But we can actually, as it were, extrapolate that out and find ourselves in Isaiah 54 as well. And what's really interesting here is that Isaiah 54 follows, obviously, Isaiah 53. Now that's, you know, anything like, okay, 54 should be 53. But Isaiah 53 is a very significant chapter of the Bible. Very, very significant chapter of the Bible. Isaiah 53 is all about God's servant who would eventually be his son, Jesus Christ. The one who rescues and the one who saves. Isaiah 53 is all about the gospel. If you take the last... I think it's about the last 26 chapters of Isaiah, from chapter 43 to chapter 66. It's actually very gospel-focused. If you read through that, you'll just see tremendous stuff about uh, God's saving grace. So Isaiah 53 is the good news of God's grace. And verse 5 shows us that in, in Isaiah 53. He says this, But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Isaiah 53 is all about Jesus. He's the servant there that God is talking about, his son. So Jesus is crushed for our sins. Jesus is pierced for all our wrongdoing. This has all happened on the servant, Jesus Christ, in Isaiah 53. This has all happened so that we can be healed from our sins. So that we can be made whole before God. And we can find restoration in Christ. The crushing of Jesus at the cross is the central piece of God's grand salvation story. When Jesus is crushed there in Isaiah 53, he's crushed for us to glorify God and to uh, pay the penalty of our sins. It's the central piece here of God's grand story, of the gospel story. So here's the connection for us between Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 54 today. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the fulfillment of of Isaiah 53. And this same Jesus, the servant of God, 
carries on into Isaiah 54 and he will give many children to Israel so that they will expand and they will grow. God will grow his people through the promises he makes to them through Jesus Christ, the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 54, uh, the barren one or the desolate one there that we see is Israel. Israel represents the people of God. These are the people that he will grow and expand. Today, followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus Christ are also the people of God, just like God's chosen people, the Israelites, back then. So today also... The followers of Exchange Church, the followers who follow Jesus Christ, us, that promise also still pertains to us in the expansion of God's kingdom that many children or many souls will be one for his kingdom. He will continue to expand his kingdom. He will continue to grow his people. So that's where we begin to find our part here in Isaiah 54. Just as God is going to grow the nation of Israel and expand his people, he continues to do that through the gospel today, as followers of Jesus Christ. So today, Exchange Church can sing and rejoice just like the barren woman could in Isaiah 54 as the Holy Spirit brings new people into the kingdom and grows that kingdom, grows that kingdom by adding more people to it. God is still carrying out his promise as we see part of it there in Isaiah 54. So we need to think big and plan for growth, that God will build his kingdom. He will grow his church. He will add to it through the gospel. And part of the context there in verse 3 is this plan for growth is across the nations. It's across the nations. Sure, it's here in the context of the greatest shepherd and region where we live, but it's also across the nations as God expands this vision here of a global picture here of the gospel. So hence, with this context of the nations, exchange wants to be obedient here and think big for God's purposes for the nations. Yes, here as well, but for the nations as well. We want to take a global view of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that God is made to look glorious for what his servant has done for us in Isaiah 53 and being crushed for our sins. We want to take that across the nations just as God uh, says so there in Isaiah 54. So that's where we find our place here in Isaiah chapter 54 as we think about this word to the Israelites at that time. Objections though, there might be some objections to that. Someone might say, Actually, haven't we got enough people here unsaved to occupy our time and resources right here? After all, in Shepparton, there's 39,000 people unsaved. Should we devote all our time, all our energy and all our resources to those people? Good objection. Answer? Yes. Shepparton and the region around about us has a massive need. It has a massive need. And yes... We must continue to try and connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus here in the Shepparton region and the greater Shepparton area that we live in. Yes, we should do that. But, but, if we look at the hard evidence of Shepparton, we could actually already say there's about a thousand missionaries working in Shepparton now. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a missionary. There's about a thousand missionaries already working in Shepparton right now. And if you took in the Shepparton region around about us, 
there's about 25 to 30 established churches here already in the Shepparton region and surrounds. And we have the freedom here to share Jesus without fear or harm of persecution. And we have plenty of mature Christians who are able to do that. That's the hard evidence of what we have in Shep. Now compare that with the country that I visited last year, Tajikistan, and you see a very stark picture. In that country last year that I visited, uh, Tajikistan, just north of Afghanistan, in that whole country of 8 million people, there's 10 to 15 registered churches. There's a few underground churches. I visited three registered and, and two underground churches while I was there, but they have about 15, 10 to 15 registered churches for the whole of the country of 8 million people. The largest church in Tajikistan is 200 people. It's a Baptist church in Dushanbe. And the rest of the churches in Tajikistan, 20 to 30 people each. That's all that's there. So consider this. Shepparton has more churches in one city, and that's not a big city of Australia, than the entire country of Tajikistan. Shepparton has about 1,000 missionaries for 40,000 people, thereabouts. Dushanbe, the capital of Tajikistan, has a few hundred missionaries, potentially, for more than a million people. It's a big difference. It's a big contrast there. Let's remember, though, that Jesus is committed to growing his church across the nations. It is his promise to grow the people of God. That's what he's going to do. So what we have to see... Here, that in this Western gospel saturated religious freedom countries, is that God uses us to do His work across the nations. In gospel blessed lands like Australia, we are used to expand our borders and reach into other nations with the resources and the blessings that He has given to us so that we can share those blessings with others who don't have so that we can expand and fulfil the promise that God has made to spread abroad to the right and to the left and to uh, grow into the nations. Jesus himself told the disciples, go into all the world and make disciples. We've been blessed by God so that we can bless others. Look at what God told Abraham here back uh, in Genesis chapter 12. He says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Every family of the earth that is a follower of Jesus has been blessed through Abraham, because through Abraham's line came Jesus Christ eventually. So we have been blessed through Abraham. And he says there in the middle of verse 2, and I'll make your name great great so that you will be a blessing. The whole idea is is we are blessed through Christ. As we are blessed through Abraham, we now pass on that blessing to others. We share that blessing with those who do not have or who have not heard of Jesus Christ or that gospel. How's that blessing meant to look then? How does that look as we look to bless others in this context here of spreading the gospel abroad into uh, the nations? What do we have in the West? We have an ability to, to prepare and train and resource people to go into the nations. We have wealth and resources abundantly here 
to send people into the nations to expand God's kingdom for his glory. In the, in the West, uh, we are incredibly wealthy in comparison to um, most Eastern countries. Poor countries and uh, particularly persecuted countries. We are incredibly wealthy and abundant, Lord, in resources that we have uh, been given by God so that now we can use those resources to go into those nations and spread the gospel. We use what God has given to us to be tools for his purposes now to see the nations be infiltrated by the gospel and to see his kingdom grow. And the need is vast. The need is vast. I just mentioned a little bit about Tajikistan before. Uh, The need is massive there. Massive. Um, I'll just throw that next quote up. According to Operation World, uh, from 2010, of the 16,350 people groups around the world, there are 6,645 groups who have no gospel witness or as little as 0.4% of Christians living in their countries. That's 40% of the world's people groups don't have a gospel presence or at best, at best, they have a a dimly lit flickering candle trying to um, emanate gospel light into those countries. There are billions and billions of people who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ across the nations of the world. The need is vast. 40% of the world's people groups do not have a gospel presence or at best only have a flickering candle of gospel light. The need is vast. And we in the West are blessed by God to be able to send, prepare and train others to go in there and do that. So at Exchange, we want to think big about the gospel. We want to think really big about the gospel. We are passionate to expand our vision to the nations where Jesus will build his church, so where these billions who have not yet heard about Christ or heard the gospel will actually see and savour a glorious saviour in Jesus Christ. There's a great quote of William Carey's, and he says this, and he was uh, prior to going to India, he said this, expect great things and attempt great things. That was one of his mission cries was to expect great things and attempt great things. And this is exactly what Exchange wants to echo here as the followers of Christ. We want to expect great things. We want to expect really big things. And we want to attempt really big things as well for Christ's glory in the expansion of the gospel. At Exchange, we want to sing, we want to rejoice, and we want to celebrate, just like that woman in Isaiah 54, the barren one, for the growth that God will bring to the nations. And we want to do that through exchange frontline missions and the people that we support and the people that we send out to see this gospel spread out in a massive way to touch the unreached people groups around this world and to see Jesus' name be made great. Here at Exchange, we do this through a few ministries already. We're just going to profile them now. Uh, A few ministries that we already support and we think are really, really uh, focused on the gospel. The first one, we're just going to show another video. So, Alan, if you want to go do that um, lights again, mate. Sorry, it's the, it's the day of videos today, so. You can cue that up if you want. Open Doors is an organisation that serves the persecuted church uh, around the world. So, we're just going to uh, show a video for them and I'll come back and say a bit more. Open Doors is positioned on the front lines, standing and strengthening persecuted Christians in countries like North Korea, Dan, where it's 
illegal to own a Bible, or your family can be thrown in a prison camp for their beliefs. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. It's time to awaken to the reality of the persecuted church. In 1955, Brother Andrew, a newly committed Christian, began smuggling Bibles into Eastern Europe, behind the Iron Curtain, because he believed that everyone should have the freedom to know Jesus. He was given the scripture, Revelation 3.2, Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. Since his first trip, Open Doors has expanded to work around the world providing Bibles and training for those who need it most. We train leaders in their homeland so they can be the light of the gospel in the darkest places. In 1981, we delivered one million Bibles to a secluded harbour in China and was described by Time magazine as one of the boldest missionary ventures of all time. 1989, we sent 1 million New Testament Bibles into Russia and a seven-year prayer campaign for the Soviet Union finished. We are a part of the body of Christ, called to the persecuted church, people of prayer, seeking to live by faith, devoted to Jesus Christ and His call, motivated solely for the glory of God. Open doors. Together, we serve persecuted church. Great, thanks. Uh, Persecute Open Doors um, is, a, is a great organisation. I had the, the privilege to make a trip with them last year to Tajikistan and uh, I saw and experienced their ministry uh, firsthand, uh, gospel-centred, and they are really all about building the church up in those foreign lands and particularly uh, serving the persecuted lands and the challenges they face there. Uh, so we're committed to uh, serving our persecuted brothers and sisters uh, all around this world. I mean, th- th- there is amazing stuff that we can be inspired by them. I mean, just to, to sit with some of those guys last year was just really faith-building and incredibly encouraging to see them follow Christ in really difficult and uh, challenging lands. So um, we committed uh, firsthand to um, support them, and we do so uh, every year. Another one we uh, also support is uh, Rod Houston, and Megan just shared a bit about Rod there before. Uh, Rod serves in uh, Central Asia. I think they're going to throw a map there of Central Asia. Rod's down in Afghanistan, just down there on the bottom of the map, and you can't see because I'm in the road. Just down towards the bottom there. And uh, Mazar e Sharif is where Rod has been in, just about there. Um, Rod's in there working with a uh, non-government organisation, delivering aid and education to developing communities, trying to uh, water... Um, sanitation was one they were doing recently uh, and he built his gospel work around friendships you can't obviously go into Afghanistan and just open the Bible up in the main street of town that wouldn't go down too well at all uh, Rod builds his uh, gospel work around friendships with taxi drivers or the gym lots of young guys hang out at the gym so he actually goes there builds connections and relationships and begins to look for opportunities to share Jesus there and that uh, as Megan just shared before, Rod's not in a good space at the moment. Uh, he had to move out of the country early last year, middle of last year thereabouts. Uh, things have got pretty tense. Uh, one of Rod's fellow aid workers had been killed by um, some terrorists and also another was kidnapped, but praise God the other person who was kidnapped was released later on. 
So at this point in time, yeah, Rod is currently having a, ma- having a major struggle with like a, a post-trauma stress, which is pretty understandable given the situation where he's come from. Very, very scary and very difficult. Uh, so Rod at the moment um, is still recovering from that, but we love Rod and we are committed to Rod for the long haul to see him make a full recovery and uh, to get back to that land, God willing. And uh, for Rod, we actually just admire his gospel willingness to go into those really hard places, really difficult places. So um, uh, we are committed to Rod and we want to see him keep going. These, oh, did you put the PowerPoint up? No. That's all right. Well, just quickly then, that's Rod there. It's a bit of snow in case you can't pick it up in the white background there. That's uh, one of the villages that Rod's been out to to uh, minister to. He was uh, going out for six-week stints into those villages, spending time there and coming back in. That's just some of the people around the village that he's been uh, sharing with. It's, they're the three likely lads of the village, I'd imagine. Yeah, I think that's it. So Rod's another one we support, and uh, we will continue to do so, and uh, pray that God will um, uh, do good things in restoring him. Uh, ben and Megan Morse, also homegrown uh, talent right here. We love Ben and Megan. Uh, we're also supporting them. So I've asked Ben to just come and just share for a few minutes um, where those guys are up to as well. Come on. Let me start by telling, telling you uh, a short legend from the Kazakh steppe. So this story comes from, you know, a thousand years ago or something, as those legends do, you never quite know when they originate. But there was a, a family living in their yurts, and they, uh, they were kind of a leader of their people. And another tribe came in to take their land, and this is a particularly brutal tribe. This woman's son, the king's son, went out to fight. And in the battle, the tribe lost. And this son's horse got shot and it tore off into the distance with him kind of dragging behind. And all of his people thought he was lost. Now, for this Kazakh tribe, being lost out in the desert was a terrible, terrible sort of shame. You know, proper burial and everything was important. Um, But they spent several days looking for his body and couldn't find nothing. So time passed and this poor mother grieved time and time again for her lost son. Until one day some traders came and said that they were talking to this prisoner who, um, out in the, in the desert who was looking after sheep. And something about the description of this character triggered in this woman the thought that this might be her lost son. Now, this tribe that conquered the land had a particularly brutal way of making their slaves. And I won't go into the details, but it was torturous, painful, and at the end, the people's minds would go kind of scrambled, and they would lose all passion and all interest in the things that they knew. In fact, they would lose all of their previous memories. That was why they did this particular torturous act. But this mother decided that She just had to know if this was her true son or not. And even if his mind had been scrambled and he would have no memory of her, she had to try. So secretly in the middle of the night, 
She bundled up all of her stuff, loaded up her camel, and took off into the wild grasslands of the Central Asian steppe. She spent weeks searching every nook and cranny of the um, grass desert until finally she came across the sheep herder. And sure enough, it was her son. But unfortunately, he had been tortured in this way and his mind was scrambled and he had no memory or recollection of her or any of the times that she had cared for him or spent with him in his history past. He did not know who he was. He was just a slave. But this mother was undeterred and came back to him day after day after day to try and speak and try to recall some glimmer of memory. Unfortunately, in the end of this story, um, his slave owners incite him to kill her, um, and she dies. But um, why do I tell this story? Well, the faint glimmer of the gospel is seen in this story. Um, <clears throat> this woman, in her own way, has a very Christ-like attitude. She has a son who's lost, who's forgotten, whose mind has been scrambled and caught up in the bondages of another, of an evil an evil person in an evil tribe. And like Jesus, this woman goes against and sort of forsakes her comfortable life in her yurt and with her family and goes on a dangerous trek out into the desert to find and restore and recapture her lost child. And like Jesus, this woman dies in the effort. Unlike Jesus, she doesn't come back. But... Megan and I have this same sense of calling to, to the sense of going and sacrificing our comfortable life to bring the gospel, the good news, to the people who are lost in Kazakhstan. Uh, if you mind throwing up that map again, I didn't bring any slides, but um, just go over a brief overview again. This is Kazakhstan, sort of borders Russia and China, and we are looking at going down here, exactly where the cursor is. Um, <coughs> We're going to be joining an orchard project uh, to work with the people called the Uyghurs, who are a, a nomad, or not, they're a settled agrarian culture, and particularly they uh, have been involved in um, horticulture and other types of agriculture for a long time. Uh, and there's a team of about two other couples that we're looking at joining, just to try to catch up a little bit on where we're at. Uh, as far as how we're going in the process of getting there, uh, I've just got a few stats so that you kind of can keep an eye uh, of where we're at. So we've got about 151 people that we're in regular contact with on our mailing list. Uh, we've contacted about 55 churches in Australia, the United States, uh, one conference group and also one university group. And from that, we've got about three, three churches supporting us. Uh, already, and one that is considering it, and we have another five churches that um, have committed to pray for, pray for us, and also have given us some one-time gifts. Uh, and we've got a total of about 27 um, people who are in regular um, giving towards us at the moment, and that brings us to about 65 to 67 percent of our ongoing needs, uh, and we're at about 55 percent of our startup costs. As far as timing goes for us, uh, we've been really praying hard that the Lord would bring in our, all of our needs by um, sort of the end of June so that we can be uh, off to the U.S. to visit 
my family and some of the churches there for a month or so before heading to Kazakhstan in late August or early September. Um, that's all, of course, God-dependent and uh, related to, to whether or not our funding and stuff comes in. Uh, a couple of other kind of new items that are coming up for us. Um, we've mentioned a few times that we've been praying a lot about visas. And at the moment, we have sort of two primary visa tracks that we're exploring. One is a student visa, which is kind of the classic. Uh, this is only just opening up now, so it's only we're only just able to start exploring this as a possibility pretty much this month. Um, student visa is dependent on finding a university that will actually have a program in Russian, and that will um, allow us to have a visa for it. So there's some... Um, and it's more rigid, you know, it sort of means we need to be in Kazakhstan in August or we have to sort of figure out something else or another timing for that. Uh, but it's on an academic calendar year kind of thing. Uh, another possibility that is um, we're exploring now is for us to actually set up our own company here in Australia. It's probably a water engineering consultancy since that's my, my line of work. And then using that to set up a branch office in Kazakhstan, um, which then allows us to get a, what they call a director visa, which is pretty simple. Gives us more flexibility, um, but there is some cost, obviously, in setting up businesses and, and things like that. And then actually trying to you know, at least generate a small amount of you know, revenue out of that to make it a legitimate business. So um, these are some things that we're exploring, and there is another one or two options out there for us. Um, yeah, so as far as our current needs, um, obviously continued prayer, uh, which we thank you for in all of that. Um, but we also would love, if anybody has any um, ideas or contacts into small groups in the region, we'd love to have an opportunity to take an evening with some people around the community. Um, you know, we've talked to churches, but you know, that's sort of talking to the pastor or the missions staff or something like that. But we don't often have an opportunity to talk to just um, people who might be interested in, in joining our partnership team. Um, also, just anybody, other contacts that you might know that might be interested in talking with us, we'd love to, um, to get in contact with them or other opportunities to, to share at a place. Uh, and then finally, uh, if you haven't signed up for our newsletter and you're interested, um, we send it out about once a month. Um, please come and talk to me later about that, and we'd love to get you signed up. And if you want to talk about any other financial partnership opportunities, uh, we'd love to talk to you about that as well. Thanks, Ben. Um, so you can, as Ben just said, you can give directly to those guys. Uh, they'll give you the details if you want to chase them down and then they will uh, gladly take some more off you as they try to get to their, uh, their funding level. Uh, also, um, we would encourage you to give to our Frontlines Missions account also um, at Exchange. If you go to the giving page on our website, you'll see the details there for that. Already at this stage, Exchange is um, taking a tithe of all of its uh, offerings and tithes it receives from you people. So we take 10% of that and we actually apportion it straight across to uh, missions work already because we, we absolutely believe in missions and we want to um, see that grow. We want to be able to resource that and uh, to meet the needs as they come along as, um, as uh, God presents them to us. So I'd encourage you guys, uh, above and beyond your tithes and offerings, uh, to be encouraged to support missions either directly or come to our webpage and um, 
support there and uh, it'll primarily go to those three people that we're doing now, plus we keep some there in reserve for um, emergency situations or crisis points where people need some extra funding and we want to be able to be in a position uh, where we can uh, help them in that time. Please just let me close with this uh, passage before we get Neville to come up and just share communion with us. Uh, from Revelations uh, 7, uh, 9 through to 12, uh, it says this, And after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. That is a glorious day to look forward to. That is a glorious day to look forward to. So when Ben and Megan are finally in Kazakhstan, when Rod maybe goes back to Afghanistan, we will stand alongside these people. We may never meet that these people will meet and they will share Jesus with. We will stand alongside them and we will sing that song. We will shout out in praise of the glorious work that God has done through his kingdom, through the nations, as he promised in Isaiah 54 for us. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you today that we can talk about uh, your promise of the nations and spreading abroad. Father, thank you today that that fulfilment comes through Jesus Christ in being crushed for our sins, in making a way possible for us to come back to you. And Lord, now with this salvation that's been given to us and this message of the gospel, and here in Western culture, Lord, we are able to resource and send and prepare people to go, Lord, and to spread the message of the gospel into the nations. Please, I pray, Holy Spirit, inspire our hearts in this. Give us a bigger vision. Help us to think big so that Jesus' name would be lifted up and, Lord, he would draw all men unto himself. Father, we thank you today for uh, open doors. We thank you for the work that they are doing. We pray, God, you'll continue to give them wisdom as they serve the persecuted church. Father, we thank you for Rod Houston. We thank you for the work that Rod has been doing, Lord, even now as he begins to uh, recuperate and recover from all the, the trauma and stress that has taken place over the last uh, year, 18 months or a couple of years being in Afghanistan. We ask and pray, Lord, that you would restore him well. Uh, fill him, Lord, with just renewed vision and renewed uh, vigour and energy in Christ for those people. And Lord, we continue to pray for Ben and Megan, Lord, uh, a vital part of our fellowship here, Lord, as they heed your call and, Lord, uh, make this sacrifice to go. I pray that, God, you will sustain them and keep them and raise their finances in these last couple of months so that, Lord, these plans can come into place and be fulfilled. Father, we want to commit this to you now and ask it for the glory of Christ across the nations. In his name, amen.